And so as the leader, you got to be malleable. And the cows are giving you, giving you um, signs and symptoms of uh, good and bad, of things that you need to repeat and things that you need to reevaluate. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a perfect day here in North Carolina, and it's finally feeling like fall. I am excited to announce that we have a new sponsor to the show, Habit Stack. Habit Stack is an accountability system for business leaders and their teams, which helps them focus on their strategic priorities. I've been using the system for the past two weeks, and I absolutely love it. It's such an easy tool to use, and I love how it reinforces the right habits in my organization. We are also brought this week by our other sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. All these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about why employees quit. And my guest is Dave Nordell. Dave is a retired United States Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant and longtime friend of the show. He has a new book out called When the Cows Lie Down, The Reason People Quit You, Their Leader, which is a fascinating read. Dave and I sit down and talk about why people quit and what you need to be doing to watch out for signs that things might be heading in the wrong direction. I know you're going to love this conversation, so are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a returning guest to the show. You might remember Dave Nordell from episodes 141 and episode 212. Uh, Dave is a retired United States Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant with over 30 years of service. He served as a medic all over the world, including a tour in Iraq. He is the head of MaxFab Consulting and the author of a brand new book called When the Cows Lie Down, The Reason People Quit You, Their Leader. Now, I'm excited to have him back on the show to talk about why people quit on their leaders. So, Dave, welcome back to the show. John, I love this. Um, you know, when, I, when we finished the first book and did the first show, I was kind of you know, still even finding my way through some things. So, it's it's awesome to be back. It's going to be fun to talk about the book, but but also uh, uh, to get the crowd to listen to you too, because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I take from you, and I and I'm propagating out of the world. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's well, this is the first for for me. You're the first three time returning guest to the show, and uh, as I always say, once you're on uh, the podcast, you become part of the Deep Leadership family. And so, when you have a new book out um, like you do, I I want to get you back. I mean, that's the main reason is uh, I'm excited about this new book. I'm excited to talk to you about it. But before we dive into the book, um, for those who maybe don't remember your story or what have you, tell us uh, tell us what you do, first of all, at MaxFab Consulting, 
Sure. So Max Fab Consulting came and it's in the it's in the first episode, right? We went through the whole you know, origin of Max Fab, but it's about an organizational attitude. It's something that I took uh, to combat with me, and uh, I attribute it to, to huge success and and mental, physical, and, and emotional well being of my troops when we were uh, when we were in combat and how to get them through that. Max Fab is an attitude, right? It's the hierarchy, the attitude. And um, uh, if you're working to get to Max Fab every day, it probably puts you in a good spot to be uh, not only a good leader or a good boss, but uh, just a good person. And, and it just helps you out in a, in a variety of ways. So at Max Fab, we really, really have um, honed it down to really two focus areas. One is filling that gap and that thirst for formal leadership training, mentoring, access to people that have done it and want to give back uh, that can, you know, that can get in front of you in an affordable manner, by the way, you know, so you can come halfway around the world to, to do leadership training and, and to fill that gap. So, you know, the average person starts leading people at about the age of 30. By about the time they're by the age of 39, they're leading people that are leading people. And by the age of 42, somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, maybe you need some training. Oh, uh, I believe that and you and I know that you know, from day one, when I went in the military, I was being developed as a leader. And that was at 19 years old. And I find huge value in that continual, um, that continual development, you know, that deliberate development of people. So MaxFab is focused in those areas. Uh, you know, we, uh, we work in conjunction with um, some other things like the Apex Leadership Institute to get that done. And then the core function, the veteran core function, which is leadership focused, but it's also about it's about uh, serving uh, you know our brothers and sisters is the vet ready program and the, the vet ready program is really geared around you know John I took this apart from a leadership standpoint I really took it apart I said why are forty three out of every hundred veterans leaving their job in the first year you know let's go to the book you know why people quit you their leader well you know when people say people quit their bosses people quit their leaders people quit their culture. We'll talk more about that. But why are veterans doing that? And then why, when they leave, do they not even get back into employment situations and can't really reassemble And I looked at everything that was out there, everything from all the things that we know, uh, the big organizations, the Wounded Warriors and you know, the Veterans Administration. I looked at all of the things and I thought, if you want to call veteran reassimilation a failure, and that failure is a strong word, but if you want to call it a failure, we're not doing a good enough job. As a leader, when you have failure, a couple of things come straight to our minds, right? And one of the first things is is who, right? Who was doing what? Who was driving the car? Who was doing that? That's the first ones are who. The second one is were they trained, right? Did they did they have the capability and all the resources that they needed to be successful in whatever they were doing? And so when I look at veterans failing in the civilian workforce uh, with their leaders. I have to have some grace there to say that the leaders aren't trained on how to take on veterans. Mm. And Vet Ready is focused on getting leaders veteran ready to take on veterans to be veteran ready forever, culturally forever. I mean, through your HR processes and those type of things. So I'll give you an example. If somebody comes to you, John, they're applying for a job and you're really attracted to them, you want to hire them, and they're in a wheelchair and they're deaf in their right ear. You already know what the office space needs to look like, what the elevator needs to look like, what the ramp space needs to look like, what you're going to tell the rest of the staff, who's going to get them out of the out of the uh, office if there's a fire alarm. You know all of that stuff. Well, veterans need some similar things. It's not about ramp space or, or elevators, but it is about 
a sense of community. It's about a sense of purpose. It's about uh, learning a new vernacular. It's about give, being given space to be a veteran and use all the great tools that we have as veterans to make the company better and for them to reassimilate in a healthy way, emotionally, physically, and mentally, so that we can get away from these things with the, you know, the high rate of substance abuse and, and all the way to self-elimination. And so the big domino effect is on the front end, we have public-private partnerships that really understand how to reintegrate the veteran. Then on the back end, we get all the goodness that comes out of that and not the, not the negative pieces. And in there is huge leadership turn. Yeah, absolutely. We talked a, a bit about that in, your, in our last, uh, your last um, appearance. Uh, and for those who are keeping track at home, that's episode 212. Uh, and so, yeah, this idea, we talked a deep about what veterans need to be successful once they come into the workforce. And we, you know, we kind of are interesting cats <laughs> and we have uh, certain things that, uh, that uh, really affect us as, uh, as when you, when you employ us coming into the work, we can be your best employees, uh, but we can also leave and get frustrated if we don't see uh, consistency out of the leadership and, and consistency with purpose and, and if there's integrity violations, we're just out of there. We're, we're, just, we're not kind of stand for it. So we can be your best employees, but we can also be your shortest hire if yeah. you're not if you're not consistent. So I encourage people to go back and listen to that episode because we cover that in a lot of detail because uh, it's really important, especially if you're hiring a veteran to be able to speak that language. And so that was a great episode for that. Um, and uh, and so I really appreciate what you do with Max Fab Consulting. Uh, and the Vet Ready program is super important um, for helping guys that are getting out and, and women that are getting out of service, especially combat um, people that combat experience. So these are these are going to be your best employees, but you know you got to understand how to speak to them and talk to them and and deal with them. So they speak a different language. <laughs> we were we're trained a little bit different, <laughs> exactly. But uh, we're fantastic uh, employees. But uh, so anyway, I want to get into this book. I've got sure. Or I've got YouTube and you're watching on YouTube. It's a new book called uh, When the Cows Lie Down, uh, The Reason People Quit You, Their Leader. And it's the first time I've read a leadership book with a cow on the cover. So congratulations on just that fact alone. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, so if you've read if you read my other book or you've listened to our podcast, you know that I'm a farm cat. I grew up right. very close. And in fact, when we were working on the cover of the book, they gave me a bunch of cows and they were black cows or they're they're beef cattle. And I said, no, 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 no. They have to, I had to give them the specific breed. I ended up teaching more about dairy cows and all the breeds of dairy cows and why they're black and white and all the other things going on with it. So, but, uh, you know, as we've talked in the past, um, on the farm, you learn just about everything there is in life, if you pay attention. And the cows are very subtle indicators on the farm of change. And, Mainly weather, and you know, there's some there's some argument. If you look at some research, it's done. There's some argument of whether or not this is you know just hocus pocus or real. Well, I grew up around it. I believe that uh, when the cows are lying down, all lying down, usually around some small little tree, and you're like, why are they all doing that? You would be very wise to look straight up into the sky and get a feel for what the weather's coming. Because you might need to put something inside because a hailstorm's coming or something, a big wind is coming and, and to clean things up. Or you can just drive right by it and go, ah, or whatever, and then suffer the consequences of that. And I think organizationally, uh, the cows are a great example because I think we, we have cows lying down in all of our organization. Mm. As leaders, we have cows lying down everywhere. And, and sometimes... 
the cow comes to you in the form of an employee and lies down in your office. And we are going so fast at times, John, we don't see this stuff. You know, if if, if you say, uh, I've been, I'm in Montana, and people say, I've been to Montana. And I'm like, oh, where did you go? Well, we drove through. Well, if you drove through Montana at 80 miles an hour, you did not appreciate what Montana has to offer because you didn't get to see a bald eagle and you didn't get to see a fox and a coyote and all the things that go along with that, right? Because you didn't slow down. I think organizationally, it's going so fast that we miss these cows. And I can't put a dollar sign on it, but there's a dollar sign that goes with it. There's there's a financial loss that goes with this thing of, of doing the five cent fix versus the five thousand dollar recovery. And I think the cows are the cows are all there. So in the book, I talk about quitting, and I talk about quitting in a macro. And I know I know you've seen you've read you read pieces of it. But it's even quitting when you don't have a choice, like when you have cancer. And I had a, and I had a dear friend of mine help me write a chapter about uh, a military friend of mine that I really, really, really adored, and he tied the under cancer. But I watched how he died, and I watched how he quit, and the result was the right way to do that. And he actually did it that right way. Because sometimes you need people to quit, right, Sean? I mean, if, if they, you, were, you were on a nuclear submarine, there was a cut before you ever got to get anywhere near a nuclear submarine. You had, to, you, had to, you had to be the guy. You had to be a nuclear guy, right? The Navy SEALs, you know, everybody's like, well, they didn't make it through SEAL training because the SEAL training was geared to weed people out that aren't going to be able to, to do it. Now, that sounds harsh, yeah. but sometimes you need people to quit. So there's a positive to quitting, too. There's, there's a reason why you need to quit. And then there's the quitting where you have all of the excuses as to why somebody left in the organization and none of them are pointing inward, right? You haven't gone to the mirror and looked and, and said, oh, I created a culture and I created a, uh, a, uh, a values environment or am I created a, uh, a uh, distance, a lack of communication at a level that's unsavory to really good people. And when they have options, they move. And I would say that that's probably more the case. So, it's not people quitting their bosses. Everybody has a boss, right? That's your one-up. Leaders are responsible for culture. Culture is inanimate. I had this argument with somebody. They said, people quit their culture, they don't quit the leader. And I said, no, culture is inanimate. The leader's the animate piece. They shake the culture. And they can do that in such a very subtle way so quickly in a negative fashion. We have to be very careful. So my example I like to use is, is in your manufacturing. If you walked out on the manufacturing floor and says, this is the last time I'm going to tell you everybody needs steel-toed boots. And you're standing there in open-toed sandals in a ledge shirt. You've mm -hmm. lost all your credibility, right? Yeah. People, people are already mentally packing, right? They're already on Indeed, and they're looking for the next thing. So you've got to be very careful with that. So as you walk through your organizations, I'd say that there's cows lying down. What are they? What do they look like? What are they telling you? And do they deserve your, your attention and, and, and uh, reaction You know, to they're going to do some of that? Yeah, I, I love this analogy. Um, I'm not, uh, I did not grow up in a farming community. I did not grow up on a farm. I grew up in the suburbs of a small town. Um, and so I don't know much about farming, but I have driven by cows laying down. And I remember sort of, I always thought it was like an old wives' tale. They said, well, the weather is going to change. The weather's changing, right? That's what you hear. And I love how you apply this to leadership, which is the idea that when uh, there's something wrong, and the only way you notice there's something wrong is taking the time to notice it. And I think part of the challenge is, and I found myself doing this as a young leader, which is uh, I'm on to the next thing, right? And so uh, I was always 
you know, I was always a goal-oriented type of person, right? So we're going to get to, you know, we're going to get to, uh, uh, you know, a less than 2% scrap rate in the factory. And we, we we work and we put projects together. We meet with the teams and we're working and we're getting excited and we we achieve it. And then I was like, well, we got to get to 1%, you know, scrap, you know, scrap now. And I remember one time, one of my, uh, one of my managers, when one of my factories came to me one time and he said, can I talk frankly to you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so he shut the door and he said, you know, I love working for you and I love all the things that we do. And I love your enthusiasm and excitement. I said, but you don't ever give us a rest. You never give us the time to just breathe after we achieve a goal. You're like, great, let's go for 1%. You know, you're, you're charging off to the next thing before we had a chance to catch our breath. And, and it was one of those cows lying down moments that, that, that I was like, oh, shoot, I'm just, you know, it's, it's, you're not a leader if you're so far in front of your people that you can't see them. And I, and I was that kind of a leader. I was like, rah, rah, let's go. And I was, you know, way ahead of the pack and the team's trying to keep up with me. And that leads to frustration. That leads to discouragement, right? When you like, you know, we just, we just went through a six month process to, to, to achieve this goal we're tired. We're worn out. We need a little bit of a breather, you know? And, and, and that was kind of a wake up moment for me. And that was one of those, the cows were lying down. And, and fortunately I had a manager who had the, the fortitude of saying like, I'm going to confront John about this because a lot of times they won't, they'll just, people will just say, okay, well, I guess we're going after 1%, you know? And they're, and even though they like what they do, they're frustrated because like, they feel like, it's a never-ending journey. Like you just keep turning up the treadmill and you make me run faster. And I think right. that's an example of like taking the time to slow down and notice something. Yeah. And you know, I wrote about slowing down to go faster because of that phenomenon right there. That and celebrate. I'm terrible at it. I always keep somebody around. I, I, I self-proclaim right off the bat because I'm similar, right? And then self-proclaim and I said, you know, I used to think celebrating is dead no value. It was just on to the next thing. And sometimes you got to sit down. Sometimes you got to stop and say, we're doing an ice cream social. Yeah. You know, and I, I used to think ice cream was the most ridiculous thing. Put ice cream in a car, drive it around your organization and then scoop out ice cream and give it to yeah. people. Yeah. They stay. They stay. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. One of the things I, I did, I don't do it here because it it's kind of a small organization I run now, but but I used to have a very large manufacturing plant. And on Christmas, I would dress up as Buddy the Elf. I know this is kind of a funny story, but, and, uh, and one and my other, one of my managers would dress up as Santa and we'd ride on the back of this Cushman, like the maintenance cart. And we'd go around and give everybody candy for Christmas. And it, it was just a fun, people were like, why are you dressing up as Buddy the Elf? Someone might say, that's not leadership. But I think a part of it is leadership. It's just saying, hey, you know, this is just fun. And I love the fact that you guys love coming to work here. I love being your boss. And can we just enjoy a little moment together? And I think uh -huh. that is, um, you know, that's not in an MBA program. You don't read, where do you dress up as Buddy the Elf? It's not in a book somewhere, but it's this idea of, um, you know, making sure that you're relatable to your employees and that you treat them like people. And I think that's something that is not, it's not taught in in business school. Right. And so when you, um, when you're a leader, and I use the word leader and not boss for a reason, because I know you're building better bosses is your mantra, and I love it. And I, and I steal it, and then I give you credit for it every time I say it. But the reason I use the word leader is because the leader sometimes is so far removed from the house, right? That it's very important for the leader not to set in a culture where the the, the layers that are 
next to the leader or even like a layer below, below are not just doers of your of who you are. Just they're not they're not chasing the one percent, the two percent, the next the next thing. They're actually absorbing the cows, and you're getting the feedback so that you can change. And you know what the cows are? You know, you know what it looks like because you know you don't you don't ever keep the same bull in a herd because the genetics would get screwed up. And and you're always rotating cows because they get less efficient with production of milk. So you got to go get a new cow to replace the old cow. So you're always attentive to that. Well, your organization moves like that too. So let's talk about X, millennial, Z, and whatever's coming. Right? Yeah. Those are. It's a whole different herd of cows. And so and so as the leader, you got to be malleable. And the cows are giving you giving you um, signs and symptoms of um, good and bad. Of, Things that you need to repeat and things that you need to reevaluate. Mm. And that takes work. And that takes there's a speed limit to that. And I can tell you one thing. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're in the audience, the leaders. I don't know where you think your speed limit is, but the speed limit that I'll tell you that it isn't is fast. Mm. It's it's a slow, deliberate development of your people, and it's a slow, deliberate engagement of your people to pick up on these things so that you can be so refined that you can just transition from one herd to the next herd to the next herd. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Habitstack. Habitstack is an accountability system for business leaders and their teams. You probably manage tasks with Notion, Asana, Trello, or even a spreadsheet. Personally, I've used dozens of different ways to track my to-do list over the years. All of these systems are useful, but they have their weaknesses. Traditional to-do lists quickly become overwhelming and disorganized. They don't clarify what tasks are truly most important right now. They also don't build a accountability habits. Business leaders and their teams need a true accountability system to operate at peak effectiveness. Positive accountability helps everyone stay focused on the strategic priorities. Habit Stack makes the process easy and keeps the team aligned. It builds the weekly habits people need in order to stay the course. With Habit Stack, you will set crystal clear goals, align your tasks to those goals, and make progress every single week. I've used Habit Stack myself and found that it is a simple and intuitive way to track actions and maintain accountability for my employees. The good news is you can try Habit Stack for free at habitstack.com. And also, for a limited time, the team at Habit Stack have agreed to provide the listeners of Deep Leadership with free one on one training not just on the software, but also on how to leverage accountability in the right way with your team. So sign up for a free trial at habitstack.com and then tell the team you heard about them on Deep Leadership to get the free one-on-one training. Get Habitstack and get your strategic priorities done. Go to habitstack.com today to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. 
the team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty Strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. One of the things we've talked about, we've had many yes on the show talking about, um, you know, having having empathy. And I think part of it is 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 taking the time to be observational and so to kind of get out of your own head and your own space. Because I think a lot of leaders are obsessed with the mission, obsessed with their career, and so they're in this drive, drive, drive mode. And so they don't take the time to you know to watch what's happening around them. And I think. Some people are naturally more empathetic than others. So in other words, they naturally notice. Uh, but a lot of leaders are not. And I think for those who are not, you, one of the important parts of that about this book that's that's essential uh, that they need to understand is that that they need to take the time to to, even if you're not naturally gifted towards empathy, you can stop and watch the cows. You can stop and slow down and pay attention and notice, wait. Everyone seems a little stressed here. What's going on? You know, like you you need to have that time where you slow down and listen. Right. And and develop a team that has empathy. Just like mm-hmm. I told you about celebrating. Yeah. When I develop a team, I find somebody that really is all about the whole, it's their birthday. Let's decorate their office. You know what? Yes. You're the yes. you are the subject matter expert on celebration. And then you go, yes. and go hey, we have this two percent goal. What should we do? And they go, Hey, I'll go get some balloons and we'll do X, Y, and Z. And you just have to sit there and let it all happen. It may not be totally digestible to you, yeah, but it's important. Yeah. So you've got to be able to let people fill out for your gaps. That's an important thing you just said, is if you're like not empathetic naturally, find someone on your team who is. And to, to, just to make sure, I remember one time I had, um, I promoted a guy into my senior management team that had come from the shop floor. 
And he was sort of like the voice. He's almost like a, a senior enlisted guy on my team because I because I'm used to that mentality where you have a senior enlisted guy on the team. And so he was my guy that would always sort of had the mood of the shop floor. And I and I remember he was an important part of my team. This was my first manufacturing plant. And I remember I would just ask him, I was like, we 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 just launched this policy. How is it going out there? What are, what are people saying about it? So giving you that, um, what's you know, because sometimes you Part of the problem as a leader, you, you your presence affects what people do. So when you show up, everybody gets quiet or or they change the topic or what have you. So it's nice to have somebody on your team that knows, can feel the pulse of what's really going on on the team. And, and he was an important part of my team for that reason. You know, I was teaching and, and I'm going to talk about uh, personal change management for leaders. Uh, we're going to talk about this in January with, uh, with our Apex Leadership Institute, which I'm part of. And part of that conversation is going to be about um, finding subject matter expertise and how to form informal leaders. And informal leaders are your cows, e. right? And those are the and those are the people that are out there that they either go, "Come on, guys, John said to get this done. We need to get it done. Here's how we get it done." It's stuff you don't even notice, or they're going, "I think John's crazy." Yeah, we yeah. we we should all we should all do this quiet quitting thing. Just do the minimum and get those people can just totally destroy you, or they can take you to the next second or third level. Yeah, and 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 usually they have they have some sort of gift in leadership that is stronger than the, the, your similar traits, and you have to mind that. Yeah, and those are and those are cows. When you watch the environment and you watch who people are naturally attracted to, why would you not go to that person and say? I see what you're doing. I see how this is going. How can I help you? Your job gets easier. It's not yeah. harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I think that's part of if you part of leadership is to to recognize who are, you know, part of it's even part of sales. You know, when I when I'm working to uh, you know, when I'm selling our products to customers, I do look for those informal, like who are the informal leaders in this group? And it's the same thing with your team. Like who are the informal with the influencers in the group that uh, their opinion matters. And I think that's something I learned in the Navy is something I learned all throughout my business career is that there are these, there are certain individuals who everybody waits to hear what they have to say about it. And, and those are people that you need to know who they are because <laughs> yeah. they, they can make or break you, as you said, you know? Yeah. And it's the big entourage, right? In our military time, we always got those visits from the big flag officers or the admirals and that generals, right? If you really wanted to get your message, to the admiral to get something done, you talk to his captain or his colonel. Yeah, yeah. The guy that's dragging around behind him, you put it in his ear. They'll, they'll take care of that later on. So yeah, there's some magic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's some magic. But to, you know, the opposite of that though, Sean, is just staying disconnected. You know, sometimes leaders are where they're at because they don't want to do all the things that they did. They'll, yeah. Some people really aspire to get promoted because they really don't like what they're doing. And they figure if they promote themselves out of it, they don't have to do it anymore. And so that speed limit of, and you'll hear them say, well, I've already done that, or I perfected that, or I used to have your job. And that is a terrible, terrible approach. Because as soon as you say that, you alienate people, which means you think I'm middle school and, and what I do doesn't matter. And, you know, it was just a stepping stone for you. And you should have just as much respect for those people that can do those jobs. And if you build a too big of a wedge or too big of a cap, then you don't see any cows. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about quieting out, quiet quitting. You mentioned quiet yeah. quitting, and it got me in yeah. my brain. Let's talk about quitting. Um, sure. 
So you mentioned something that's kind of interesting is that um, quitting is an important part of a lot of things that we do. You mentioned Navy SEAL training, certainly the the nuclear pipeline to get into. There's very few that get all the way through. Um, Same thing with senior management and senior, senior, uh, sorry, senior officers, senior enlisted, right? And not everybody gets to be an E9, for example, right? And so, and there's, there's attrition along the way. So some quitting is good. Some quitting is bad. So tell us, talk to us, talk to us a little bit about quitting, when it's good and when it's bad. Well, sometimes quitting is, I had a guy ask me yesterday, uh, about he's, he's really, really, really not happy in this job. And it has everything to do with his leader. In fact, I gave him a book, I had breakfast with him, gave him a book. I really admire him. Uh, he's an emergency manager. Like I have, you know, my, my graduate degrees in disaster management and he, we're walking out of the restaurant and he says to me, he goes, he goes, I'm interviewing for a job tomorrow. And I said, well, good. I said, is it something you didn't enjoy? And he said, yeah, it's trying. He says, but there's a big pay cut. And I looked at him and I said, what is the price of your physical, emotional, and, and spiritual health and the price of your, your, your family, your, your relationships? He said, what, what's, what's the, the dollar sign? And he goes, man, my wife said the same thing. And in his case, he needs to quit. It's good quitting. He needs to go. He's in a position where he needs to go. And it's for it's not it's not for reasons of I hate the company or I've been, you know, I've been some misjustice has been done to me. It's the fact that he's in it, he's in a position that's not healthy for him. And so that is a good quit. You have to do, I and mean, you should quit the right way. You should always quit. In, the, in those situations, you should always quit. Like you have to come back and ask for a job back. You don't, mm. do, you don't do scorched earth, right? Yeah. And, there, and there's, so there's a good way to quit, and there's a healthy way to quit. And then you have to understand that, uh, you know, men are terrible at this. Men go, gosh, if I quit my job, I'm going to be seen as less. I'm going to have, you know, that's the ego thing. And it's really not. Actually, there's some power in doing that. You just have to do it the right way. And, you know, if you do it the right way, you don't leave people high and dry. And there's a way to transition and to do that. But you get into a healthier place. So that's a, that's a good quit. The bad quit, I described some of it already. But the bad quitting is is usually driven off of emotion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so... What drives our emotions? How did we get there? And and why are we quitting? And you see a lot of this in our the uh, service industry, right? It's just a bad shift. There's a lot of customers. Somebody drops something. The salad bar is goofed up. Something's unplugged. The stress level comes up, and you don't have enough emotional intelligence, emotional control, and so your snap thing is just to get away from what's causing your your physiological response. And that's to quit and you throw your apron down and you walk out. That's an that's an example. But if you want to look at that at at a, at a higher level when you're when you're in the red, um, sometimes you have to dissect. You know, there's the old adage that if you walk into a room and you think everybody's an idiot, you should run to the mirror. What could the mirror? Because it's probably you that has the problem and not the forty people that are in the room. And so, you know, the bad quitting is when you don't give yourself a chance to absorb and grow. And that's the unknown, unknown space, right? Anytime we go, it's like starting a new business, right? You don't know what's what's there, but once you get in there, you start growing and, and it doesn't always work. But and you can't tell me, John, that you know all of the things that you've done that 
when you've had when you come up against adversity and you run your big checklist on how to deal with that, in that checklist there is to quit, to stop. Yeah. It's always an option. Right. And so sometimes we choose that option way too sooner for the wrong races. And a lot of it's based on emotion. Yeah. So, I can I can see I can see like a dichotomy between quitting too soon and quitting too late. And I think maybe my last corporate job, I quit too late. Like I, I, I think I was, I was beyond just fed up with it. And I was just doing it because I got a big paycheck and uh, there was prestige associated with my position. And, you know, like you say, you don't want anyone to look, look down upon you like, oh, well, you know, John's got this big job, big corporate job. He makes good money. Uh, and so you sort of stay with it way beyond, you know, what your, your comfort zone, you're, 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 you're at a point where I always felt like I was leading in a way that wasn't consistent with who I was because I was leading the way, the way the corporation wanted me to do, which wasn't treating people with respect. And so I found myself every day, like further and further away from the way I wanted to, to be a leader. And, and I, I finally said, I need to do something about this. And and when I did, I, I found so much more peace from that, from that move. And so I think people sometimes wait. So they some people quit too early, and then some people like me probably quit too late. They right. they keep going way beyond when they should have like moved. <laughs> so yeah, only only because you've inspired me. I started I've started my own podcast. So if you see the kangaroo in the back there, it's a kangaroo leadership podcast. And so I've had about half a dozen names, so eight people on. And uh, my last guest, we were talking about the, her journey and when she decided she had to leave her institution, all these things we were going to talk about. And so she quit. And she goes, well, the first thing I should have done was I should have had a plan and had another job, but I quit because it was just time. We exactly ready to start. And so she's home for a couple of months. She's working on some projects, she's getting caught up on some things, looking for a job. And her 11-year-old daughter comes up to her and says, Mom, I know that you don't have a job, but you don't yell at me as much and I like you better. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that's a good quit. That's a good quit. Yeah. That's a good quit. So, uh, and you just described something that I think is is paramount to quitting in our society. And it's big with the military folks who we hedged on a little bit. It's this baggage conflict. And if you can't resolve that, I don't think you can ever be happy in a place. Yeah. And so as a leader, you got to be, I mean, especially a high level leader, you got to be really careful what you put on the wall and what you demonstrate. That has to be congruent. And then people have to really understand when they're coming out of the organization, maybe you don't have a passion about your values. If you don't have a passion about your values, then don't either develop them. Mm -hmm. Don't have them, right? But if you're going to put them on the wall, you're going to spend the time to do some offsite, you know, strategic planning thing, and you're going to have values. You need to really spend some time on integrating those into the day-to-day operations and integrating them into your culture. And people need to understand from day one how important those are, what the expectations of each of those values are, and they need to be demonstrated by the leader. And far too often, the values are put there because somebody told you in an MBA class that you need values, mission, and vision, right? And you have to do those things, and they should focus around these things. And you take some notes, and there's a little checklist, and you go check that's done, and you put it on the wall. Uh, human beings are are inherently smart people, and we all come with different foundational values and ethics. 
And so you have to be able, you have to make a space for everybody to fit and you have to be genuine. And so part of, you know, the, a big part of quit is that. And I know you felt that phenomenon. We all, hey, when you were in the military, if you look up the bad leaders, when you put that in there, the bad leaders are the ones that are out of line with our values. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And then the ones that you were, you were, you kind of go, you'd go anywhere for them, right? Uh, they were the ones that were consistent with your values. Yes. They, yeah. they practiced what they preached and it was consistent with your belief system. And so, yeah, it made it easy to just stay on you know, like I love working for this person, you know, yeah. I'll do whatever, I'll do whatever. Um, yeah, I had a boss like that when in my first job out, out as a civilian, uh, you know, we, we had a major, I was a design engineer, had a major product failure, my failure. Uh, and he backed me up and he, instead of taking it out on me, he took, he took responsibility. He shielded me while we worked on a redesign and we got back to the test lab. And, and so he kind of protected me. Uh, and, you know, just his, that nature of, you know, his, his character was, I'll take the hit um, because I know what you're doing is difficult and I, I'll take the blame. And then in the meantime, give you cover while you get it redone. Uh, that's a boss I'll do anything for, you know? I mean, that, that was a characteristic of like, I didn't even know people like that existed in the civilian world. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I can to make you successful after you, what you did for me, you know? All right. And so I think those kind of behaviors make you want to, are attractive uh, as, a, as an employee. Right. So anytime you write a book that's titled Why People Create You, they're here, right? <laughs> yeah. There has to be a, an antagonist to that, right? Because people want that. Blanchard, Ken Blanchard talks. I remember Ken Blanchard had to go back and address him at all because he just kind of left him out and deal with that. And, uh, you know, in the and, um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, change books. And so, uh, if that 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 descriptive that you just gave there, the title of the book would be "Why People Stay." Yeah, and that story would be in there. Maybe I uh, I, I don't know if I want to pen another book in the next five <laughs> five minutes, but but maybe but maybe you know there there's a follow on that to, as to why people stay. Yeah, now, I I write in the negative fashion because I want leaders to pick up the book and find themselves in it. And you know that I leave little tidbits at the end to make you introspective. I don't answer the questions. I don't believe that there's a checklist to leadership. And I don't believe I have all the answers. But I do believe that the best lessons are learned through failure. And so why not look at, you know, this is history, right? You look back in history, you go, boy, they did this and it didn't work. Let's not do that this time. Yeah. yeah. In theory, that's the way it's supposed to be. So you lay some things out there, and, and you know, in our world, uh, there's cows, and there's cows everywhere. So, <laughs> so the cows are a blessing. There's a cows are a blessing, and if you want to, yeah. you want to take the time to find them, it's a lot less work, and you'll find that you're much more efficient. Because turnovers is way too expensive anymore. You know, figuratively or financially, and and oh, just, absolutely, and just absolutely. you know, human wise. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting to the end of our time here, Dave. Sure. What kind of final message would you like to leave with our listeners? Boy, I think the one cow that's laying down in every organization is deliberate development of your employees. And it needs to start from day one. And there are some institutions out there that do it very well, um, but they're few and far between. And as we talked about, you know, most people start leading people at 30. They're leading people that are leading people at 39. And then somebody finally at 42 decides that maybe you need some leadership training. That's way too late. And so if you were going to come off with a podcast and go, you know, and then give you and I some credibility in this space and say, I'm going to go look for a cow 
go find your people that you think are really high speed people, really high potential leaders, maybe even people that can replace you, and see if you're deliberately developing them or just it's a pickup game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I talk about that. One of the biggest deadly wastes in 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 companies today is not getting not letting people get to their full potential. It's a waste. And I think you're right. Find those high high performers and make sure you're developing them. So investing in them. Absolutely. Such a great, important point. Uh, Dave, how can people find out more about you, uh, your books now, and uh, and your consulting business? Yeah, it's all there on the website. So I've made it easy. It's a one-stop shop and you can even go on there and get a you know a free, I think you sign up for an hour, but again, we can do an hour free consult. Um, we can just sit and chat about whatever. So it's www.maxfabconsulting.com. So M-A-X-F-A-B consulting.com. So yeah, maxfabconsulting.com. They take a cruise to the website. It's uh, it's kind of cool, and and we're doing we're doing some neat stuff. And just reach out on there uh, if you want to if you want to sign a copy of the book. You can you can get one, and I'll I'll uh, mail it off to you. And then uh, my newsletter's coming out every month. I think you get it. So uh, and that keeps things current. We we do some blogging and and uh, you know some some video some video feeds and stuff just to kind of keep things fresh for folks. And hopefully it helps out. Fantastic. And we'll put links in the show notes for all of Dave's resources. And again, leaders is, you know, we talk about a lot on this show is one of the best ways you can learn to be a great leader is to follow in the footsteps of people who have done it before. Dave has been in the trenches for many years, you know, three decades in the military. He's been doing it since he got out. Um, he's the kind of person you want to listen to. And when they write their wisdom down in a book with a cow on the cover, uh, you need to get it. It's called When the Cows Lie Down. The reason people quit you and their leader Highly recommend this book. We didn't even get into it. There are this book is filled with so many stories. Dave's had a long career. He's had, he's has a, he's met some interesting people along the way, uh, and this book is filled with stories of those interesting people. And we didn't get into those stories today, but I highly encourage you to get the book. It's it's a, it's it's an easy read. It's it's uh, what, what do you got a hundred and some odd pages? Yeah, yeah hundred and thirty yeah. pages. Yeah. It's an easy read. It's a lot of good wisdom in there, and it's going to help you think about um, watching out for those cows in your organization. So I highly recommend it. I, I, I Again, go to the link below here, get you a copy of this book, and really learn from the wisdom of Dave. And I think you're going to go a long way in your leadership journey. So Dave, thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you for being my first three-time uh, guest. And, uh, thanks for all you're doing on leadership. You bet. Take care, John. A lot of work. Take care. A lot of work. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, 
and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab, an electric cast production. See you there. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 